0: You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. Kayla and I, we watch several different shows. And when you bounce around between different shows, what comes before you start your next episode? Preview or recap, right? Recap, get you caught up to speed. If you like a good Netflix series, you know, they like to wait four years before they put out the next season. So if you didn't just binge watch the season, you're going to need to watch the season recap to even get caught up on what in the world's going on, right? So before he sent me the sermon outline, I was like, I better get caught up. So I listened to all four episodes of the podcast to go back through the last four weeks. I went through my notes, and so please make notes. This is our avenue fault notebook, but please make notes. Um, And I'm not saying that just because it makes you holier or better or whatever, but you never know when there's gonna be a callback when you need to go back to something. And if you're like me, I'm visual, so I can actually see the page. Like if I think of, oh, he preached on that, I can actually see the page. I can see how I, I wrote it. And granted, everything is in black ink, so it's not like, oh, I wrote in blue that day. But I just, I remember what it looks like. You never know when you're going to need that. So I listened through the series, and I, and I went through all my notes and got the high points, not because I haven't been paying attention. I wanted to get refreshed. I wanted to see, all right, what is the theme? What is the direction he was going? What was he trying to put out there? tomorrow. This was yesterday. So trying to get myself ready. And so we're going to do a little recap. So what is the verse that we have gone over every week? Shout it out. Acts 2, 42, Acts 2, 42 through 47. Matthew doesn't count. He's in the first service. But I did hear some of you others. If there was a catchphrase or a certain theme or a returning sentence that we've used several times, what would that be? I like it. They were devoted. He added. So in week one, we went over defining devotion. And we learned that it requires consecration, motivation, activation, concentration, and perpetuation. Spoiler alert, he likes to rhyme. And the other spoiler alert, there are no dad jokes in the meeting or in the, uh, the sermon structure. So I don't know if he just comes up with those on the fly or if he writes them in at a later edit But the edit I got, there were no dad jokes, there were no 90s hip-hop theme references. (laughs) So again, it's unclear if that is just off the top of the head or if that is pre-planned to be determined. And also, let me just say this, he talked several weeks ago about how, you know, Paul did the first sermon, no notes, just Holy Spirit-inspired, boom, first sermon. And then he said, you know, I've been preaching for 20 years and I still use notes, and he color codes them, and they're bold, and they're misspellings, and broken sentences, and I'm doing it on 24 hours with somebody else's notes, so we're going to extend our hands towards Chris. Go ahead, extend your hands, and we are going to extend grace, all right? Thank you. So if I get twisted up, or if I have to refer to something a little bit longer than normal, grace. We're going to get through this together, because remember, there's power in the Word. The mechanism in which it's delivered and the articulate way it's delivered doesn't matter as much. There's power in the word, and if you listen to that word, that power will be received. So uh, in, the week, in week one, when we did, you know, defining devotion, the biggest thing that came out of that was devotion wasn't a requirement for the believer. It was actually a description of the believer. Then we moved through week two, and we did devoted to gathering. And we talked about how devotion is reinforced in community, edification in a crowd or the temple, that there's intimacy in a few, our houses. You know, we talked about small groups. Uh, gathering allows encouragement, correction, and strength. We, you know, we went to our one of our core values. We grow stronger in community. And then in Hebrews 10, obviously, do not give up meeting as someone in the habit of doing. We reinforced that message of you gotta be together, you have to gather. In week three, we went to devoted to serving. And that one got a little heavy, or at least it was heavy to him. I thought it was well put, and it needed to be said. I didn't take any offense to it. But in Devoted to Serving, we realized, you know, there's two ways to serve, out of passion and out of responsibility. And there's two ways not to serve, out of personal recognition or self-preservation. And that ultimately, we should serve from a place of love. And he went to John 13, and and we heard about the Last Supper. Now Jesus lowered himself to the point of a servant. He removed his cloak, he got on his knees, and he washed the feet of his disciples. And then that ultimately that's how we are to serve, from a place of love. The Bible says they will know you are my disciples by the love that you have for one another. That's a love that a stranger comes in this room, they see how you interact, and they know that is that is a different kind of love than what the media is portraying. After we went from serving, we went to last week devoted to the gospel. And we learned that Jesus' life was fulfilled in the Old Testament. Everything he went through fulfilled all the Old Testament prophecies. That he has all authority. And by that, we have all authority. That the proper response to the gospel is repentance and ultimately those who accept are forgiven. And that's where he said, the power of the gospel is in the name of Jesus, not in our ability to present. And so that brings us to today, devoted to prayer. So we've gathered, we've served, we've communed, we've taken the gospel forward, and now we're gonna pray. So we'll start in Acts 2:42, like we've done every week. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved God added because they were devoted, they were present, and they were willing. Pretty simple. Open your doors, share your life, share your table, God will do the rest. And so gospel was obviously the ultimate reason for this, taking the gospel forward, taking the good news forward. But the second most important thing was prayer. And prayer precedes power. Prayer precedes decisions. Prayer precedes direction. And so yesterday when I was researching, I basically tried to like skip ahead to figure out, all right, where was he going? I don't have any notes to go off yet. Let's just see. One of the easiest ways to study the Bible, if you have a study Bible, is just follow the breadcrumbs is what I call them. So I literally went to Acts 2.42. I looked at the footnote for prayer. That took me to like Acts 10, I think, which took me over to Acts 14. And then there was like this other footnote with a bunch of prayer footnotes. And so I read all these stories of prayer in Acts, and every one of them, there was prayer. They picked the deacons. There was prayer. There was a miraculous healing. There was prayer. They went into a trance and saw a vision. We were joking after the service. I often go into a trance at the last prayer on the 11 o'clock service, um, but I haven't necessarily experienced a vision yet. It's more of I'm trying to stay awake and get through the very last few seconds. But everywhere in Acts, that prayer preceded the movement of God. Now again, he can do those movements without the prayer, honestly. He can do all of this without us. But that's not how he designed it. That's not how he set it up. He designed it that we would commune with him, that prayer, we'd have a conversation with him. And that's all prayer is. And that's what you're gonna hear today. We're gonna try to uncomplicate prayer. We've made it so formal and such this like lofty thing that, oh, how do I pray? It's just a conversation. Like you're talking to your spouse while you're brushing your teeth in the morning after you just woke up. Like, what did you wake up with on your mind? Discuss that with God. And so, you know, in the beginning, obviously the disciples were together and they were devoted to themselves. And so all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. You know, and, and they did that by being together. In Acts 2.1, they were in the upper room. There's about 120 of them. And they were praying, and the Spirit fell, and they spoke in tongues, and, and we've gone through that. And they were all together, and they were unified. And what unified them was prayer. They were seeking God. They were in unity, seeking God. Acts 1.14 says, They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women, the Mary, the Mary and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. And that gets us to our first point. Prayer is fuel that propels the believer and the church. It has to precede that event. It has to precede that answer. It has to precede your breakthrough. It has to precede the decision. Prayer precedes our next building. Prayer precedes our next servants. Prayer precedes our next leaders. Always. I can't come it doesn't go the other way around. Um, if you know you ever heard of a uh, Ask now, ask for forgiveness later or whatever. You can't really do that with prayer. You can't like go buy a new building and then say, hey God, will you bless this? Uh, A little late now, you already bought it. There's a leak in the foundation and the wall's rotting out over here. What am I supposed to do with that? Like it's, you can't go in the wrong order there. And so you might be thinking like, all right, I don't have the greatest prayer life. I don't know all the great words. Am I unspiritual? Like am I not spiritual enough? The answer is No. Again, we're going to try to uncomplicate prayer. We're not, you don't have to be in Old English. You don't have to pray in thou, King James, thou fathereth, listeneth to me. Like, stop none of that. It's just a conversation. So he's got this quote in there from Abba Agathon, who I had to, I had to Google. And that was an Egyptian monk, um, Christian monk. And he said, there is no labor greater than praying to God For every time a man wants to pray, his demise, his enemies, the demons, try to prevent him. For they know that nothing obstructs them so much as a prayer to God. See, if you're finding it difficult to pray, it's probably because you're very close to an answer. You're very close to direction. You're very close to healing. And they know it. Because I said it in the first service, it's no secret. Like, read the end of the book, we win. We win. Like, like spoiler alert like we win y'all lose they know that so they're going to do everything they can to disrupt you they're going to do everything they can to keep you from reaching someone to keep you from having that relationship with Christ they're going to delay it they're going to block it they're going to complicate it so if you're struggling to pray dig in more cuz you're probably getting super close don't give up because you keep getting distracted or you keep thinking about the to-do list refocus, get back in there, you're probably, probably super close. So there's all kinds of, uh, you know, in Romans 12, 12, it says, rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep on praying. Um, Somebody came up to me after the first service and had a pretty heavy situation they were going through. One that's not gonna be solved overnight at all. And it would take a miracle to even solve it somewhat quickly. And I told him, I said, it's going to be hard and you're going to have to pray a lot and constantly, and you're never going to build up, take your eye off of it. You're never going to really be clear of it. It's always going to be there. You're going to have to just be persistent, be patient, keep on praying. And again, keep on having that conversation, keep that conversation going, keep talking. You know, when we talked about The average Christian comes to church twice a month, 26 times a year. Well, let's say that average Christian only prays when they're at church. And let's say they only pray 10 minutes. Over a year, that's like maybe an hour, two, three hours. I haven't done the math. It's not much. Praying has to be constant, it's a conversation. You know, if you look at your spouse, you didn't get to know your spouse in 26 meetings over the course of a year. It takes about a couple weeks, several weeks to start to get comfortable, several months to have a decision made. For us, it was six months and we were engaged and we were married within a year. But if we had gone at church pace, church attendance pace, well heck, we'd probably still be dating. (laughs) Because it would have taken forever to reach that amount of time, that amount of investment, that amount of conversation, which is what prayer is. So what what types of prayers can we have? The easiest are free flowing and structured. Free flowing is pouring out what is on your heart before God. What are you thinking? What are you feeling? What are you experiencing? What do you want? It's that, I just woke up. What's on your mind? It could have been a weird dream you just had. Pay attention to those. Sometimes there's something there. It might not just be some random string of thoughts that you woke up from, there might be something there. Take it to God. Ask about it. Pray about it. Pray in tongues. That's a bold for me to go into with 24 hour notice, but pray in tongues. Now, warning there, disclaimer 1 Corinthians 14, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So, what shall I do? Well, I'll pray in my spirit, but I also pray with my understanding. So, if you're going to pray in tongues, great, but switch over to English, make some sense, edify yourself and your spirit together. The opposite of free-flowing, obviously, is structured. When I think of structured, we think of what? What's that that one structured prayer? prayer? The Lord's Prayer, right? We all know that. That was the result of the disciples saying, Jesus, how do we pray? Let me give you an example. Now, we quote it all the time, and granted, great one to quote, look who laid it out, but it's a structure. So this is why I say, take notes. Pastor Stephen did a a series on prayer two years ago. And I remembered writing something down about the structure of prayer, the structure of the Lord's Prayer. So, what do you know? Look at there. August 22nd, 2021. The Pattern of Prayer. It's on the podcast right now. It was downloaded on August 25th, 2021, along with the rest of the series. Go listen to it. Doesn't take long. But in that pattern of prayer... It starts out with praise, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Sorry, this is the one verse that is memorized in King James, so it can't undo it. It's in King James in my brain, I grew up Southern Baptist, thou shalt get over it. Then you get into God's agenda, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then his provision, give us this day our daily bread. And then forgiveness, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who trespass against us. And then protection, lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then the sixth point was listen, and we'll get to that. You know, when I think about structured prayers, you know, you can, if you're too free-flowing, it could be kind of shallow, just kind of rambling. If it's too structured, it could be hollow or meaningless. And when I think about that, honestly, I think of the Muslims' prayer. Every day, I don't know what time, but there's a time in the afternoon, I think it's around three, because I worked with a forklift driver and he would have to get off his forklift, he'd set up his mat, he'd face the east and he would do his daily prayers and then he'd get back on the forklift. Every day, which is great. Or you think of like uh, prayer beads. You know, you turn the bead, do the prayer. Great structure, great discipline, but how how many of you know, when you repeat something and kind of get into a, memory verse type you kind of start to just go through the motions doesn't really mean anything all right bead bead prayer bead. all right done cool on to the next thing so you want a mix of both you want some free-flowing but you want some structure you know too heavy of one or the other can not necessarily get you in danger but you want to be well-rounded in your conversation with god again just uncomplicated so how about the place of prayer pretty easy. could be alone, or you could be assembled. Matthew 6 says, go alone into your prayer closet. But then in all the prayers and acts, they're together. They're in a huge room. You know, even the Bible says, if you're going to pray in public, don't use wordy sentences like the Pharisees. Don't do it to be seen. So Prayer can be alone, and it should. There should be times of intimate prayer where you can really say what you need to say. And remember, you can boldly approach the throne. You're not going to catch him off guard. I mean, he knows what you're going to say anyway. Again, he doesn't need us for any of this, but he designed it that we would have relationship with him. He designed it that we would come to him in prayer, even though he already knows what you need. Types of prayer. Desperate and delighted. Again, he wrote this, which is why it rhymes, and it's why the letters all match and all that. It would not be how I lay it out. But desperate and delighted. We all know that, like, times of desperation, super easy to pray, right? <laughs> the ship's going down, we know who we're praying to. The ship's sailing and everything's great, and, the you know, we're having a great time. Anybody praying? Honestly, probably not. We should pray at all times, in all things, without ceasing. That means when it's super low or when it's super high, we are praying, we are keeping that conversation going. Could you imagine if your spouse only came to you when they needed something or when something was going wrong and then the rest of the time when the marriage was happy you didn't even talk? I mean, what a joke of a marriage that would be. And if I stepped on toes, I'm sorry, you can talk to Stephen after uh, when he gets back. (laughs) But seriously, think about that. This, this God, this, the Alpha, the, the Omega, the creator of everything we are and everything that we are in just wants to have a conversation at all times, when you're doing great, when you're not doing great. But we've unfortunately turned him into a genie. Oh, well, got a problem, Rub their lamp. He wants to have that conversation at all times. In desperation or in delight, we should be talking to Him. How long should your prayer be? It's up to you. It could be long and it can be short. You know, and some people think, oh, I got to be wordy. You know, when we're doing our, when we're circling up and praying in here, let's be honest, 70% of y'all are panicking. Is it somewhere in there? Panicking, right? Like, oh, don't call on me. I don't know what to pray. I don't know what to say. It's just a conversation. Deep breath, deep breath, relax. How can I pray for you? I'm struggling at work. God, help her at work. Give her the tools she needs. Give her the assistance she needs. Let her be relaxed and feel your presence at work. That was easy. Just a, it's just a simple request. It doesn't, again, we, don't, we overcomplicate it. Just because it's a short prayer doesn't mean it's powerful. Just because it's a long prayer doesn't mean it's powerful. Honestly, the, uh, the more words you use, the more likely you're going to get yourself in trouble, <laughs> especially if you're talking out loud. So very dangerous to be up here. But seriously, if you're going to have a long prayer, I, I gave this example in the, in the first service. You know, when, I'm, when my staff is doing one-on-ones with me, when they need performance feedback or they need guidance on a project or whatever, I always remind myself, I should not be talking the majority of this one-on-one. They should. They should. If I talked the majority of it, then they didn't get their need across or I didn't give myself time to hear the need. It's the same thing. If you've only got 15 minutes to pray, maybe pray for like seven of that and listen for the other eight. It's a conversation. If you spend 15 minutes praying, you addressed God and then you walked out and then he, uh, all right, I guess you didn't need an answer. I guess you didn't want to hear what I had to say. I really had something encouraging, but you're on to the next thing. So if you're gonna go for length, add time to listen. Don't talk the whole time. Which takes me into the next form of prayer, scheduled and spontaneous. If you are gonna schedule that long prayer, nothing wrong with it, nothing at all. If you're a, a structure kind of person, do it. Schedule a 4.30 a.m. prayer. If you're like me and you can be alert at 4.30, schedule 4.30 to 4.45 to pray. But again, leave time to listen. It says in, uh, you know, Jesus prayed early in the morning. Um, Something I looked at, you know, when you look at Acts 4.2.42 when they're talking about they prayed together, it most likely in that verse is referring to a 3 p.m. temple prayer. You know, it says they were in the temple every day. There was a structured time at 3 p.m. that they prayed, and that's most likely what that particular verse is actually referring to, is that time. In Daniel, we see that he prayed three times a day, got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God, just as he had done before. Daniel had a set time that he sat down to give his prayer, to have that conversation. At the same moment, there's, on the other end, they're spontaneous. I'm telling you right now, if someone in this church, if their name randomly pops up, I'll be, if my name pops up in your brain, can you please start to pray? If it's between the hours of seven and five, I pray hard. I'm either getting yelled at because I spent too many millions. I'm getting yelled at because a truck didn't go where it was supposed to. I'm having to tell somebody that if they don't improve, they're going to get laid off. So yeah, if I, if I come up in Monday through Friday, working hours, Please pray. But I'll take it a step further. If that name comes up and you feel led to pray for somebody, text them, call them, tell them you just prayed for them. They might not actually feel that somebody prayed for them. But man, getting that text that you just prayed for them, you want to talk about just the uplift in your spirit that you would feel? Because if that name was on your heart, it was probably because that need was right then. They needed that text right then. You know, that happened this morning. I was, I was on the way here, I was thinking about this, and Stephen said, praying, there's power in the word. And I went, whew, so good. But it was just right when I was starting to, not have doubts, but I was starting to overanalyze. I analyzed everything. And I was telling Russell earlier, it's almost good that I only had 24 hours notice because you don't really have time to think about it. You get up and running and then boom, we're here. You don't have time to start to doubt and second guess. But that message that came in, if you're praying for somebody, tell them you're praying for them. I had two texts like that this week. And one of them does not know how well-timed it was. No clue that it was spot on right when I needed it. But they were praying for me. and I never would have known if they hadn't let me know. So like we talked earlier, what's a structure? And you wouldn't have an acronym if we didn't have Stephen Moore. Now, you can put the acronym on the screen. You guys have the benefit of there's periods. His little meeting, or his, I keep saying meeting, his little sermon notes, there is no period. It just says Acts Prayer, and it's highlighted green to tell me it's going to be on the screen. And I'm going, what is an Acts Prayer? I know the Lord's Prayer, Prayer Jabez, Ruth had a prayer, you know, King David had a ton of prayers. Acts prayer. I'm like, if that's going to be on the screen, what am I supposed to say about axe prayer? So I text him. I said, I sent a screenshot. I said, where are you going with this one? Oh, it's an acronym. Ah, of course it is. <laughs> of course it is. It's like that makes more sense. So the A, just like with the Lord's prayer, this is. These are meant for when you don't know what to say. Think of the acronym. Go through the steps eventually it won't feel so clunky and it'll become natural. The A is for adoration. Just like in the Lord's Prayer, the first step is praise. Adoration is simply acknowledging God for who he is, period. Not for what he's done, not for what he will do or can do, who he is. And I was thinking about this in between services and I didn't say it on the first, so maybe when they splice the podcast together, they'll throw it in there. I adore my wife, a beautiful wife, because of the relationship that we have built, because of the conversations we've had, because we have been together and we have communed and we haven't taken breaks, not because of anything she's done, but just because of the relationship, because I know her and because of how important she is to me. That is adoration. You cannot... I submit, you cannot have adoration for God if you don't have a relationship with him. You don't know him enough to adore him. And that's that's to me too. So this is for everybody. This is for all of us. If I could sit in the front and preach to myself while I'm preaching to you guys, I would. It starts with a relationship and it starts with a conversation. And the conversation should never end. That builds that adoration because you get to learn him. You get to learn the person of Christ. You get to learn how he speaks to you, how he moves through you. It's different, it's not the same for everybody. Some people audibly hear stuff. I tend to just get like a feeling. I just get like a nudge. Sometimes it's like a little shock, and I just, I just know something, and I just know there's a direction, or I just know there's somebody to pray for, or I, and sometimes I know it's urgent. Sometimes I know it's maybe it's emotional, but no words come with it i don't hear anything but i just know and that's not to say that i have some great relationship with him no i got a long way to go trust me but you can't adore somebody you don't know matthew 6:10 obviously it says our father in heaven may your name be kept holy and this is the cool thing about adoring him he has many names And someone, my mom gifted me this uh, Praying the Names of Jesus devotional book years ago. And it was like 150 pages. And it was one of those little small devotionals where it was just those two pages were that day. And then you flipped it over. There are so many names of Jesus. And they're all specific. So like El Shaddai is Almighty God. Jehovah, Eternal One. Jehovah Ezra, the Lord is my helper. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner, God's protector. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. And to me, it's, it's almost like having a nickname. I wouldn't say, hey, babe. But, you know, I don't call Kayla Kayla half the time. But, man, to know God enough to know I have this specific request and I'm going to use that specific name that goes with that request. Jehovah Rapha, I am hurting, I need healing. Jehovah Jireh, I need you. I, I'm one week away from having a negative bank account. To pray that specific name, to know him well enough to know the names that goes with the situation, that goes with your request, that's where we got to get. But there's one thing that is probably in most of our way, and that's the C, which is Confession. Confession is just simply admitting that you were wrong, admitting that you didn't follow his direction, admitting that you didn't follow his way, that you didn't follow his order, that you didn't follow his word. Um, And spoiler alert, we are kinda like our eight year old and our four year old. I will rhetorically ask them a question. I already know you did it. I already know you're gonna lie about not doing it. Let's just skip to the end. You're in trouble. And I tell Liam this all the time, like, if you'll be honest with me, even if you are in the wrong, I, you will be in so much less trouble. But you're hard-headed like both of us, so we're going to have this fight till he's 18. But that's the same thing with God. So in Psalms 32, 3 through 5, this one really hit, um, and it never has stuck out to me like it did today, but... It says, when I refused to confess my sin. Refused. That means you know you're supposed to confess. You know you're supposed to confess, but you're refusing to. You're willfully disobeying by refusing to confess. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally. I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. See, it hurts to hide things. But the enemy cannot condemn you for something you are forgiven of. Stephen's note. Don't even put that on me. That was what Stephen wrote. See, when you confess those sins and he forgives, Satan goes to him and said, you saw what Joe did, right? And Stephen's going, well, no. Or not Stephen. God's going, well, no, it's blank. I have no record of what you're accusing them of. Blank's late. They're completely clean. No rap sheet. That's what confessing is. And if you've ever done tear down here at Avenue and you have ever stepped foot in that trailer in the middle of the summer... It is no short of 200 degrees, no exaggeration. Like to, It's to the point, and you'll if you stick around long enough, I've changed clothes before I do tear down because I know I'm going to sweat like crazy in there. But it hit me when I was thinking about this verse. Not confessing my sin, when he talks about his strength evaporated in the heat of the day, not confessing my sin is like willingly sticking myself in that trailer and refusing to get out of it. As I sit there and melt and waste away and eventually die from heat exhaustion, heat stroke. Because when you first open the door on that thing, it will take your breath away when you step in it. It's that hot. That's what he's talking about here. Guilt is that bad that it will eat you alive. And all he asks is that you confess. It's not a shock that you are guilty. He knows you are guilty. He died on a cross because you are guilty. It's no surprise. He set this up that you would just come to him and just confess. I have fallen short. I have not done what you've said and I am sorry. I need your forgiveness. And he does not hesitate. So what do you do after you confess and you've been set free? You better believe you are thankful. <laughs> Thanksgiving. It's, it's just thanking God for what he's done. Now we thank him for what he's done. Before we adored him, we raised his name up, we praised his name simply because he is God, period. Now we're gonna thank him for what he's done. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Again, there's that word, all Be thankful when everything's going well. Be thankful when the ship is on fire and you are bailing water trying to get the fire out and plug the holes. Be thankful in all of it. And that's so hard to do. It really is. It's so hard to pray in delight and it's so hard to be thankful in misery. But man, picture a church that is. Picture a church in Florida today. That lost a building through a hurricane last week. Standing on the rubble praising God. Picture that. Clap. Don't be shy. Picture that. Thankful that they still have breath in their body to praise his name even though they have no building to stand in. Thankful. Yep, thank you for that. We grumble about this building. yes sir we grumble about this building instead of being thankful for it instead of being thankful that we have enough people that we need to do services instead of being thankful that we might need to do three services so that we can get more people in here we should be thankful that it's brutally hot to unload that trailer and brutally hot to reload it again but we grumble about it Goodness gracious, I just got smacked right right on stage. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. But that's what it is. It's because of that conversation, because of that relationship with him, you're able to be thankful when you're low and you're able to be thankful for when you're high. So we've praised him, we've lifted his name up, we've made ourselves right. We're in right standing. And that's what righteousness is, to be in right standing, to be in right relationship with Christ. And now we've thanked him for that. We've thanked him for setting us free. We've thanked him for all his many blessings. Now we can make our supplication, we can make our request. See, we get backwards. We just start with a request. Yeah. This is not Burger King, and you will not have it your way. <laughs> we start with the request. You haven't even praised the Almighty, you've got unforgiven sin. Your body is broken right now because you haven't confessed your sin, and you haven't even thanked me that you're alive today. And you're going to come up here and ask me for something. Did you forget who you are and who I am? The supplication, the request is at the very end. And here's the cool thing about it I think if we follow this structure, the request you had in mind when you got down to start praying is going to be gone because it was probably a shallow request to begin with. By the time you get to that supplication, if you follow these steps, this structure, you're going to be asked for something much different, and it won't be about you. You're going to be asking for something about somebody in this room, somebody at work. First John 5, 15 says, We are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. Not us. Anything that pleases Him. And since we know He hears us when we make our request, we also know that He will give us what we ask for. (laughs) Anything we ask for. Nope. Not what that says. Anything that pleases Him. If you ask anything in my will, then I will answer that prayer. In His will. Pleases Him. So you might have sat down and start praying and thought, man, I need a pay raise. But I guarantee you. You start by lifting up the name of Jesus and praising him for everything that he is. And then you bring everything that you've done wrong everywhere, everywhere you've fallen short to him and he has set you free and you thank him for that. You won't be thinking about a raise when you get to that request. It's gonna be a guy, how can you use me? How can I serve? Do I have abundance that I could give somebody else? You were just thinking about a raise. Now you're asking, how do I give away some of what I have? Acts two, they sold their possessions. They enjoyed, how was it worded? I gotta get it right. Thank goodness for iPads. They enjoyed the goodwill of all the people. I've said this before up here. If I am acting like an Acts 2 Christian and you are acting like an Acts 2 Christian, we are both taken care of because I'm taking care of you and you're taking care of me. I'm praying for you. You're praying for me. I'm praying for your needs. You're praying for mine. And our needs are both met because we're both being faithful. We're both devoted. That's right. If you ask for what pleases him, absolutely he'll answer it. Chris, what pleases him? Get in that word. All the answers are in the Bible. They're all there. Have that conversation daily. As you communicate with him daily and you build that relationship, you will know what he needs. You will know what pleases him. He's going to put on your heart what to even ask for. It gets even easier. He does it for you. He's going to drop in your spirit what he needs you to ask him for so that he can bless you and bless others. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. So you might be sitting there wondering, okay, that all sounds great. Still don't really know what to do about it. Have I got a deal for you? We happen to have a prayer small group that you can sign up for. And if you haven't signed up for a small group yet, but you know you need to and you just can't figure out which one it is, I pray that you pick that one. It's how to have an effective prayer life, foundations for Christian living. Will and Kim Collins, who are normally in the 9 a.m., will be leading that. And let me tell you, This is the second semester that they've attempted to do this. The first semester, nobody signed up. Not to try to make y'all guilty, but I want y'all to understand, it is on their heart to teach people about prayer. I'm talking like the history of prayer, why we pray, why we use certain words, why do we kneel, why do we close our eyes, like all of it. If you wanna really, really, really know about prayer from two people that are highly favored to lead it, that's the small group to be in. And obviously the the one prayer, the most important prayer that we always end with is the prayer of salvation. And so you can't really, it's hard to have a conversation with somebody you've never met, right? And it's hard to have a good conversation with somebody you don't really know. So the first and most important prayer is that prayer of salvation, so that you can be introduced to Christ, so that you can begin that conversation. So with our head bowed and our eyes closed, if that's you today, if you've not experienced salvation and you need, you feel that calling, again, he always says, it's not, it's not his words that save you. It's yours. And there is no specific prayer of salvation. You will not find it in the Bible. Some people will tell you there's a prayer of salvation. Don't don't fall into that. It's your words. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and you believe with your heart that he is Lord, then you will be saved. And we already went over what confession is. Father, I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you rose three three days later. I believe that I am forgiven because of your final sacrifice. Father, I feel you calling me. I want to accept salvation today. doesn't have to be like that. It can be any form similar to that. But that's basically the gist of it. And he'll come in and he will save you. So if you've prayed that prayer today or if you've prayed it in the past, we want to know about it. And if you'd be so bold, I'd ask that you'd raise your hand so that we know who to pray for. Because we want to walk with you. We want to help you. And we do not take that lightly. Trust me. Father, Lord, we thank you for just the beautiful day. Personally, I thank you that Stephen was sick and you gave me this opportunity. Don't know what it means. I don't know what it holds. Doesn't really matter, but I'm thankful for it. Father, I'm thankful that your word went through, that there's power in your word and there's power in your name and the mouthpiece is insignificant. God, I'm thankful right now that hearts are changing, that the light bulbs are going off, that people are feeling that draw to really begin that conversation that we call prayer. Father, I'm thankful that we get to do this in this building that is too small. I'm thankful that we get to serve along people that are exhausted from serving. I'm thankful that we get to get in a hot and sweaty trailer because it means we were here for you. It means we were here to worship. It means that somebody heard the gospel and it means that the opportunity for salvation was had. And if that means we're in a cramped building and a hot trailer and we're worn out, then so be it. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.